0: Sir, hello there. Sounded very Edward Woodward there. Uh, yeah, Edward Woodward, yes,
1: indeed. Very howie. What's beer on tonight, kid?
0: You what? What beer beer are you on? Oh well, I've just opened one, and it's uh, a, I don't know if you've heard of this, Dave. It's an
1: Excelsior. Oh, I have indeed.
0: Which yes, Which is indeed. the little. So Lidl. I'm going to do a bit of a Pepsi challenge tonight. I've got my Galahad, and I've yes. got my Excelsior. So it's little Vialdi. And I'm going to decide which one I like the best. So I'm just starting off with the Excelsior in my Iron Maiden <laughs> glass. I think they're
1: both very nice myself. Yeah. But yeah. see if you occur, concur with me. I won't say anything to which one you prefer. We'll pause on that. Do you know what I've got tonight? I went into B&M stores on the way home from a job. I got myself some Carlsberg Export. Right. <laughs> yeah. But very nice. Yeah. But do you know what? And there are, there are pints as well, like really nice big can. But the these fucking cans that are put together with, like, glue. Have you had them? Yeah. It's a fucking mess. Yeah, and you nice. always get a bit on your finger, don't you? Honestly, they're, like, super glued. I mean, this glue is unbelievable. <laughs> mm. I've got to get a knife to try and prize them. <laughs> oh, I've done it. I was, you know what I was about to do was open one and keep all four in the hand, all four cans as I poured it. What a load of shite. <laughs> Who came up with this idea? Of glue the cans together. What a it's wanker! say plastic, isn't it? So you don't
0: need the plastic, unless there is the plastic holder on it. Still a little bit of plastic
1: on the side, mm. but how how good for the environment is all this fucking glue? Oh, they mm. just take one idea and fucking bitch it with another.
0: I thought you were going to say you were on Carlsberg special brew.
1: No, I've been there <laughs> before, mate.
0: Have you? Has there ever been an incident where a can of special brew has been drunk indoors?
1: Yeah, well, well, I've had a, a poker match at uh, Swallow Street and um, I was drinking Carlsberg special brew that night. And uh, I remember
0: having it when I was younger and I thought, this isn't, is this beer? This is some weird potion. Weird, isn't It doesn't Do
1: you
0: taste, taste much, from what I remember, it doesn't taste much like a beer.
1: Oh. Pouring my e- Carlsberg export, and I'm imagining Lee that we're at a festival, a music festival. Oh yeah.
0: Well, wouldn't we be on tuborg watered down tuborg <laughs> or we Amstel,
1: <laughs> fucking Amstel? Oh, I like Amstel. Oh mate, I'm. Oh no, I've oh, gone yeah. right off it. When we went to Boardmasters. It was so fucking bland. Probably because it is watered down. I love it when you're abroad. Because yeah. I'm still abroad, it's stronger, and it's got a real taste to it. But mm-hmm. when in England, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably... And in Wales. Yeah.
0: yeah, you were leading into something then, Dave. Uh, I was.
1: Have you been watching Glastonbury, my friend?
0: I did actually see some, yeah. And uh, I've always had mixed feelings of Glastonbury. I think it's a bit sort of smog and a bit up its own arse and i don't like the way the bbc cover it for some reason yeah. they always show the acts well they, they show some good acts i mean there was some decent acts that they showed but it sort of tends to go down the route like Nanny would go down you know all these worthy <laughs> sort of safe acts wait worthy you,
1: worthy farm yeah,
0: they avoid the edgy acts not that
1: yeah yeah
0: really glastonbury has many edgy acts anymore but i'd say that the highlight Uh, Was uh, Rick Astley with The Blossoms
1: Yes Yes Because I fucking loved every second of that I think he's a superstar And do you know what I love about him He's totally unpretentious He's almost a little bit partridge-esque At times He's a good lad, he's funny And he goes for it When he's singing those Smith songs And even if he makes a bit of a mistake He's coming a bit early One thing or another and the Blossoms, mate. Honestly, I'm just so made up for them. I think they're great, great mm. Stockport lads. I've
0: they're never listened. I've never heard any Blossom songs, actually. <laughs> have you but, not? Oh, no, oh
1: mate. No. You've got to hear Blown Rose because if that's not a tribute to the Smiths, the stately homes of England, how beautiful they stand. Have you, have you heard that? You no. not heard that?
0: No. Oh, Lee, have a listen.
1: They've done some good stuff. Mm. I like them a lot. That's Would Charlemagne, digga you... digga great, great. Sorry. Yeah, they didn't do their own set. They did They did Blossoms at Blossom. No, I don't think, no. But I think, I think just like an unashamed, an unashamed, joyous homage to a band that we all love. And I think Morrissey and Mar and Co., they should be absolutely delighted because did you see the fans? Did you see yeah. how joyous that was for the audience there oh. watching him?
0: It was brilliant, it really was, and it just highlighted how amazing the Smiths' songs were. and totally. uh, they, they did them all justice. I remember, was it a year or two ago, Rick and the Blossoms did a gig in Manchester.
1: They did, they did, they did a few in the end, didn't they? Yeah, which they
0: a... was doing the Smiths' stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. you see it and you think, What's this? This is a is this for real? Rick Astley doing the Smiths.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: it's sold. I was thought, oh I fancy that, but it's it sold out so quick. Yeah, um, yeah, it did. Yeah, we tried. You know, it's one of them gigs you would have loved to have been at because it, oh, it seemed no. to be like it would never come round again. But it's great that they they did it at Glastonbury. And I've watched it plenty of times. I love it.
1: I think really. the lad's done his done his himself. Every credit and no arm at all because I even watched his own set. Yeah, and he was great. He caught the crowd going. He went and, and when he does the drums to uh, Highway to Hell. Yeah, like, good for him.
0: No, he's well I breathing. like I like the fact I've seen a few other videos of him doing covers and he can play the guitar. So he's doing a Foo Fighters song and yeah, that's right. He's got it, a good it, musical, um, good spectrum of different apps and stuff. And I wonder though, you know, does he regret his doing all that shit he did with Stock Ake and Waterman, excluding, of course, Never Gonna Give You Up, which is uh, an absolute classic.
1: Oh, <laughs> all that that's other
0: shit he did fair. with him. I mean, I think he did I, one out, was it two albums with him? And then he went out, went away, didn't he? he? left them and then he came back. He was sort of a bit different, a bit more serious, wrote his mm-hmm. own stuff. It was a bit gospel-y, I think, from what I've seen. Yeah. He did this song yeah. called Cry For Help and... But then he completely disappeared, or so it seemed. And the last few years, he's had this huge renaissance, hasn't he?
1: I think quite rightly, too, because two things. He has got a genuinely good voice. And for two, he's just an unpretentious, nice guy who is genuinely funny. He's a good lad. He's a proper good northern lad. That's what I like. You know, he's, he's embraced the irony of the whole... Rick Rowling, never going to give you up thing. And he's gone with it. He's gone with it. You know, it's yeah. like, right, let's have a laugh with this. Let's have a, let's have a laugh and a bit of fun. Goes on the stage with the Foo Fighters, sings with them, does all that. Then it transpires that through his brother, he got this real love of the Smiths, absolutely loves the songs, and teams up with Blossoms, who are a genuinely good new band. Yeah, that, In my opinion, they are. Right. I really exactly. like them. Great musicians, Josh on the, the, the guitar, lead guitar, is brilliant, mm-hmm. you know. And they're tight, they're really good. I think, in fairness as well to Rick, right, and in fairness to them, I don't think they had any rehearsal time to put that gig together. That's the impression I got. So mm-hmm. Rick did have a couple of moments where he came in a little bit early and then put, stopped himself and kept, you know what I mean. And he did, he did have. I noticed he did have a uh, a little prompter, a little lyrics prompter to help. But he wasn't using it that much. He was. Uh-huh. He wasn't using it, and I just thought couldn't be better, really. I mean, from from a piece of just sheer unadulterated uh, guilty pleasure entertainment, you couldn't get better than that. And we sat in the living room watching it, my fifteen year old, and my wife and me, and the three of us just singing every word of every song, yeah, because we know. Yeah really well and that's the great thing with the smiths my 15 year old lad knows the lyrics as well as i do Mm -hmm. and and my wife does he's an aficionado because he loves them, and that's that was as good as old old elton johnny boy and bloody any any anything else coming on i didn't didn't watch much
0: of the elton john to be honest
1: Uh, (laughs) i know
0: his voice sounded better than when he was on He did that, but... It was
1: a bit better than that, yeah. It was
0: bits where he did sound a bit crap. I was listening to it sort of in the other room. I was doing something in in here, and uh, it was on in there. What
1: what he does is he he lets the backing vocalist do the high bits. Mm. So he does everything.
0: I think, though, it happens to most singers when they get old, don't they? They really do lose it. I mean, have you heard Geddy Lee? <laughs> oh, yeah, Geddy Lee in the last four to five years.
1: Real Tom Sire, mean guy
0: It's <laughs> just so. I was sort of like, oh no, you know, this is just really bad. Geddy, I mean, I felt really bad for him.
1: I love Geddy as well. I really love Geddy Lee, and I, 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 there's so much rush that I really, really love. But Geddy's voice is, it's not as it was. Because Getty's voice was always like right up there. Like Pavement said, have you heard the voice of Geddy Lee? How does yeah. he sing so high? Does he have the voice of an ordinary guy? Yes, I've met him and he does. <laughs> His mind is not for rent. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love yeah. Geddy Lee yeah he's such great a nice guy, guy I mean, great guy they yeah. just seem like i mean Rush seemed like such a lovely band there's you a know. band oh they should have done glass me. they would have been that would have been great seeing Rush. Yeah. And, what a band what well obviously they they're
0: not they're not anymore are they since neil Peart died neil
1: i thought that was brilliant really that was it wasn't it when neil Peart died well he was they're a, not yeah so it's like when band, wasn't he? john bonham died yeah that was it. Zepp were very wise to say that this is it now. Mm. And it's probably increased their legend. It'll do in a way. I mean, I know Rush went on for years, but I think it'd only do favours for Rush really with that. Because at their peak, for you know, kind of musician aficionados, they were pound for pound the best band in the world, really. You know, I'm talking from skill, from musical yeah. skill. I mean, yeah. fucking yeah. amazing. A supersonic bass player and singer like Geddy. And keyboardist, you know. Mm. And Alex Leveson, what a guitar player. And yeah. Neil Peart, is he the greatest of all time? He's right in the argument, isn't he? He is. Neil Peart's right in the argument. Pacey, Bonham, Peart. Mm,
0: Moon, maybe. Peart,
1: Moon, for sure. I'd say
0: Bill Ward. I bloody love Bill Ward.
1: Bill Ward, yeah. Bill Ward's great. But the thing with Peart... Think would appear like technically was pro you yeah.
0: know Yeah, he it's, was. It's, I mean he was a pioneer Pierre, He had he had more drums than anyone else for a start. He was hugely respected. <laughs> oh, um, God. I never got to see Rush actually. I mean I would have
1: loved to have seen him because I get I get very excited when I watch like an old Rush gig, you know, or some mm. old because they were fun they were brilliant live. And Geddy, mm. you're so right about what you said about Geddy's voice. I mean it's it's kind of it's very sad, really, isn't it? When you because that high kind of that high falsetto voice is a lovely thing. But when it starts to wane, it's really a difficult thing, you know. Mm. And when he's like too much vibrato in the voice, too, so it's sort of like this. So it's a... like <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it it?
0: anyway, Dave. Glastonbury. The next highlight, yes, I would all part say, of
1: conversation, my friend, all part yeah. of conversation.
0: The next Go. highlight, I would say, was Guns and Fucking Roses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you see him? Did I fucking see him? I thought it was amazing. Axel Rose is kind of manufactured. I was like,
0: mesmerised by
1: Axel actually. It, I was. It's like it's like it's almost like Robocop. It's like all this, these strange parts brought together.
0: Yeah, he's. I thought he was a bit to take the piss out of, but I don't really want to take the piss out of him because I like him, and I thought he was he really put everything into it, and I know well, he he's, he's been of... an absolute arsehole in the past, but yeah, he seemed he was on really good form. I mean, this was another thing. His his voice. I don't know how his voice came across on yeah. your telly, but yeah. There was all this debate about what's happening here, is it his voice? Because the, the mic, he kept drifting out, didn't he? He was in and out, a bit Norman Collier like yeah. And yeah. some are blaming the BBC, some are blaming the mixing desk, and some are blaming Axel. Today, I read that yeah. it was fine if you were there. You know, yeah. no one have, no one said anything about him when you were there. They could said they could hear every word. But the reason, apparently, and this was the reason, was that if you had a high-definition telly and you were watching it on that, that that's where it seemed to drift in and out. Mm. Which sounds like bullshit to me.
1: I don't know. That's a bizarre... Reason I've never what I thought like was it was a bit odd because I almost I, I almost thought of him in retrospect as like a reverse Elton because Elton was doing all the sort of middle ground vocal stuff like this, you know, like a, mm. but not the high stuff. Whereas Axel was going <laughs> with the high stuff. I thought, Oh that's good, he's doing that. Okay. Yeah. So when he was doing the high stuff, he's going I thought, that's great, Axel, keep going. But yeah. then when he was trying to do the sauce, so he was going. It's like the Bee Gees. He suddenly like he suddenly disappeared in a Barry game. Like...
0: Yeah, there was there was some definitely some ropey vocals in there as well. There was
1: some. Specific, I think it's not going to be a help to your vocals when you've got that massive set of those kind of false teeth that everyone has today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so he did look like he had the turkey teeth. <laughs> Why is it with these turkey teeth? Everybody seems to want him today. And they all sound different, don't they, when they've had them done? Yeah. <laughs>
0: the other thing was his hair as well. It was very interesting.
1: Fucking hair. Is that his real hair? Come on. I'm not really sure. What's well, there
0: has been rumours that he went bald and he's had a bit of a transplant.
1: I think that's happened, yeah.
0: Because he has got odd hair. I mean, I saw him actually in 2016 when he... He covered for Brian Johnson with ACDC. You know, Brian Johnson couldn't carry on this tour because his, it, his voice had yeah. gone and he was going deaf. Yeah. And he said, oh, we're going to get another singer. But no one expected it to be Axel. But Axel yeah. volunteered. You know, he said, oh, I love ACDC. I'd love to do yeah. it. But then I thought, I thought was
1: great of him. It was. It was. Late.
0: But he's always had this reputation of being difficult and turning up on the stage two hours late. So I thought, this yeah, isn't yeah. going to work. ACDC are mega professional. You know, they're never late. They don't piss the fans off or piss them about. But apparently he was he was good as gold. And when we saw him, he was brilliant. He really was excellent. I was so surprised right. how well he did the songs.
1: He obviously admired them and therefore yeah. didn't want to let them down. You know, but I noticed when uh, I noticed uh, Slash, um and well George pointed this out because we were watching it, he was very impressed with some of oh, Slash's unbelievable. 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 But there's one bit he's playing and he focused on his face. And George went, Oh god, he's drooling and he <laughs> 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 and he was it was literally there's like some drool coming out the corner of his mouth.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> love the that face. he wore his his shades all night. <laughs> Didn't say that I don't
1: know, I don't know. Doesn't give a shit either, but he, the skill is fucking there. My God,
0: yeah, the skill is yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I've got to admit. I mean, when people have talked about Slash as being one of the best guitarists in the world, I've never really been on board with that. But when I saw him on Saturday, I thought, my God, he is. You know, it just looks absolutely. No, yeah.
1: uh, yeah.
0: drummer was brilliant as well. I loved him. Yeah, they it sounded performed. amazing musically. Yeah, Looked yeah, better than I was expecting.
1: They mm-hmm. sounded great, and and I think. Like you say, with Axel, it, I think it was an unfortunate situation with the sound engineering and what the BBC were, how they were relaying it to the viewing public on, on, in, uh, on the television, um, but I think he was giving it everything. You know, you could see yeah. he was loving <laughs> it and giving it everything, you yeah. know. So fair he seemed to him.
0: genuinely enjoy it, didn't he?
1: And he could get about, he was looking quite fit in a way because he was getting about and he was like with the crowd and everything. Which, sadly, I mean, Elton was great with his hands, obviously, on the piano. He still still got the dexterity on the piano. Mm. But, my God, did you see him come on? I thought, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it, it looked like he had a, sub- a suppository up his arse. Did you see? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, when he was walking <laughs> on, I did. What's you? <laughs> going on there? I thought he was like a man on stilts, like a little man. Oh. Like, oh in his so gold camp- suit. I about. thought he was like a marionette, you know, like a Thunderbird puppet walks, and it's kind of really awkward. I thought he must be ancient. He must be like, how old is Elton now? You know, because he's like... 75, he, is he? And that's what I thought. I actually thought he was older than that, you know, because of the, only because of the way he kind of walked on, really. Because I am thinking like Macca last year. Macca, well, Macca's he's got fucking... He's got bloody children's blood in him, has or something, Macca. I mean, mm. Jesus Christ. He's still... But his voice was his voice was strained last year, I thought, Mark, it was it was a great show, but at times... But his, it, the way he sings anyway, the range, in, in his range, McCartney, it's got to be tough, especially as he's getting older, because mm-hmm. he does kind of have that almost bit of a whine and a rasp in his voice all the time with his songs. Yeah. But it was, I think it was a good show, though, to be fair, and, you know, a, a, for an 80-year-old man to be doing that as well as that, I mean, it's bloody impressive. But Elton did look, you know. It's like he couldn't straighten his legs as he walked. <laughs> that <was a> <laughs> I'm sure that's
0: been made yeah, that's... into a TikTok or something.
1: I can do. It's a shame this isn't a visual podcast. Put that over <laughs> it. Well, I can, I, can probably, I can do quite a good impression of his walk, which mm. is like. So, listeners, if you sort of stand <laughs> up and you walk around the room like with your legs bent, but you mm. with your back straight, trying to look sort of tall, which is impossible, and then walk with your legs bent like this, slowly. <laughs> I know I should laugh, but- <laughs> Yeah, like you're, at, like you're at a
0: benefit assessment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I and I get a mobility car.
1: It's a bit like, you know, guys just try to lift a box, you know what I mean, badly, and his, his back goes. Like me when he had my really bad sciatica.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Or Charlton Heston. Do you remember Charlton Heston? He used to walk. And he oh, used really? to do it with like really yeah. knock knees. Yeah. Yeah. Charlton Heston had the worst walk of all time. If you go and see, especially when he was older, it's hilarious. Knock knee and uh flat footed, right? What a combination. And a bit sort of stooped. So it's like big. Be- strong action hero and then you'd have a long shot of him walking into a room and it was like what the fuck's going on there well and a fact-
0: you're saying there dave about axel getting about the stage and i've got to read you this tweet uh which she says axel rose is nearly three times as old as lewis capaldi and completed a two hour 25 minute set whilst running around giving his all he gets yeah. slaughtered for his voice and look yet capaldi yeah. is lauded as brave and a national treasure for looking shit and struggling vocally.
1: Yeah
0: now, I don't agree with I agree. that. I
1: like Luis Capaldi. I Well, think... I kind of agree with it in a way because uh not because I dislike Luis Capaldi, because I think Luis Capaldi is genuinely seems like a nice lad and everything. Yeah. But I watched that documentary, right? And I didn't was it was he playing Glass for me? I, I guess he was. And I didn't see him. He couldn't finish. Uh
0: I think he... His voice went, but he kept having these Tourette's. He's got Tourette's. Yeah, he's got he Tourette's kept and he, he, these, uh, tics and yeah. stuff.
1: You could tell he was stuff Tourette's. He's got Tourette's syndrome, Annie. But mm. I watched that documentary. We watched that documentary. Yeah, I've seen some well. of it. And what I thought in the end was absolute sympathy and empathy for him with the Tourette's and the, the difficulty of, from that score, but absolutely none whatsoever for the way. That he's allowing the record company to guide his career because I was watching it going, Yes, he had a fantastic song and everything, but then he's got this team the record company's got this team of songwriters to work with him to do stuff, and all they're trying to do is emulate that massive hit he had. Well, that's you why know? I and said.
0: I said all his songs sound the same,
1: they sound exactly the same, and it's all well, they're the they're same. trying to sound uh, like that song. Turgid suicide note bullshit i'm sorry <laughs> this is what they want they mm. they want to and it's such a capitalistic fucking shit house that the record companies do and they'd have this thing saying saying oh this is tom faraday songwriter and he work uh, with working with i'm making up these names by the way and there's gregory tintwistle songwriter working with luke what these fucking record company wankers who is claiming to be songwriters coming up with And all they're doing is this moon, June spirit. Oh yeah, yeah. Love is like a summer's day. Yeah, we'll write that down. Yeah, let's have that. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I lost her love. It's blown on the wind. You know, and all mm. this. It's like fuck off, Lewis. You wrote, you wrote a great song. And he's, even his mum said it. It's not really your best, is it? Yeah, <laughs> I saw that bit. He like came in quite enthusiastic. I want you to listen to this. See what you think of this. You know, it's great. It's great. great. It's not your best, Lewis. Yeah. He played it all <laughs> the way through before they <laughs> told me. But didn't you think that? So contrived. I said to Jack, we we're watching it. I said, you should just turn to the wall and say, fuck off. Fuck off, record company. Fuck off the lot of you. I don't mm. give a shit about trying to have a number one. I just want to do my stuff. See, the great thing is. You look at the career of someone like Van Morrison. You can, you know, there's a great, great example. Van just went. He had this massive success with them, right? Them were huge, blah blah blah. And then he just went, ah, fuck off! I'm gonna do my own thing now, like mm-hmm. that. And then he just did it, and he just did whatever the fuck he wanted to. And out of it came like Astral Weeks, one of the most, you know, classic albums of all time. And then he just does his own stuff. He just does it, and you either love it or hate. I happen to love it. It's maybe not everyone's cup of tea but Mm -hmm. he just does his thing and it's eclectic and kind of odd sometimes and quirky. And that's what you want from a fucking artist. But these are, I don't fucking get it. I just don't get it. You know, really to be trying to emulate the same thing over and over. And also it's not healthy, is it? The kind of sentiment in that song, you don't want to have an album full of that. You are going to end up killing somebody because it's all just misery. You know yeah. it's just it's a, it is a long suicide note isn't it. Mm. You know it's like Yeah. That's yeah. where you need, you know that's why the look at look at the people who've lasted the test of time because they have some joy in their fucking music as well. And this is this is the thing that's wrong about a lot of modern day Well would you artists. say Morrissey has a lot of joy in his music? Yeah, because here's the thing, right? The great thing with Morrissey is and the great joy in that is that that Maybe lyrically, some of the lyrics aren't kind of joyous, and maybe some of the lyrics are sad, but some of the lyrics are also funny and ironic. Yes. You know? And ultimately, most of the music is upbeat. That's the fantastic juxtaposition of the Smiths. Mm-hmm. The fantastic juxtaposition of the Smiths is music is tinkly and upbeat, lyrics downbeat. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Yeah. That's a clever. Boy. But when you think of a song like Girlfriend in a Coma, it's oh, yeah, very that
0: hilarious. That.
1: Some girls are bigger than others. Some girls' yeah. mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers. You know. Even something like Cemetery Gates, I think it's a joyous song. In fact, it's my absolute favourite Smith song. So you've got an opening line that goes, "A dreaded summer day, and I'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yeats are on your side. You're getting yeah. drawn in straight away to that." And melodically, everything about that song is perfect to me. One of the most perfect records ever made, and you know, uh, recordings ever. They're unique, though, aren't they? They are truly. Out of all the people we've been talking about tonight, I think maybe The Smiths are the most unique little band. They know that Morrissey would tear it shreds and poo poo in, and say, "I'm talking shit," and we weren't even that good and all that. But no, I, so say I was, cause... I was good. The rest were a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he'd be saying. But apparently We could say- have been good if they
0: were all like me.
1: <laughs> apparently, apparently this is this is from the Oracle, my son, who seems to know all about Morrissey these days. He was telling me that he's very critical of the Smith stuff. Very critical. He says he's it? only a few he says things like William and the boy with the thorn in his, his side are uh, like his favourite songs and he really thinks a lot of them.
0: Tend but to he's quite critical of
1: songs, if at all. Now, does he? And no, he doesn't do any. Mm. He does his own stuff, doesn't he? And he's got some really good solo stuff. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? You shouldn't like... And another thing there, I was looking. You know, I was watching Johnny Marr play with the Pretenders and then Dave Grohl came on to play drums as well. And I thought that was great. That was lovely. Mm. And, you know, and I, I was really impressed with the Pretenders. They sounded really good. And I've never been a massive fan, but I thought Chrissie Hynde was really good. Obviously, Johnny Marr's a genius. But I thought... God, wouldn't that have been fantastic if just at the end, say the last two songs, Johnny Marr had come on with the Blossoms and Rick Astley? You know, wouldn't that have been yeah. just because he was there? You know, it was probably he about was there.
0: ten miles from the stage where the Blossoms were, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <that's> it. <laughs> I've never been to Glastonbury. Have you? I've not. I've not. I think it'd probably be quite good to go once. Well, and Dave, uh, I think it's time for me to get out the Galahad, have had the Excelsior.
1: <laughs> right. What do you, and, can I just uh, ask you, before you go any further, give me a quick synopsis on the feeling, on the taste buds of the Excel, Excelsior. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yes. It was, uh, I don't know, I sort of, it went down and I wasn't that conscious of it, if I'm honest. I probably should have focused a bit more on it.
1: OK, so uh, but I, I want- enjoyed it.
0: It was nice. Right. It was uh, <clears throat> pleasant.
1: <laughs> so what I want after your first sip of Galahad, the feeling of comparison, you know, is it? Yeah.
0: Well, have you <laughs> seen the cans, Dave? The comparison of the cans is uncanny. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know Aldi rip off everybody else, but I did not know Lidl ripped off Aldi. <laughs> <But> maybe <laughs> it's the other way around. <laughs>
1: they are fucking identical aren't they they've even copied each other because they're both names from from king arthur and the round table aren't they well, that's it that's excalibur. it Dave.
0: well i was thinking is Excelsior a king arthur thing but
1: no it's excalibur isn't it it's excalibur cuz galahad was a knight and excalibur was the sword yeah, Arthur that, that so
0: reminds me, we were going to do uh, prog rock bands based on King Arthur.
1: <laughs> oh, yes!
0: Well, there is a band called Galahad.
1: Do you know what I think is that I think that one year Glastonbury should, you know, and I think Michael Evis would love this, is mm. it should just be Glastonbury prog and all the invite on is the existing like prog bands in the world. Come on yeah. and play. Maybe a couple of modern ones. You know, we'll give a little, maybe give a little, give a little, little mention. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe even like poppy ones like Muse or something, you know, mm. for the kids. But it's got to be prog-esque. You but
0: it know. did start off, it did have plenty of, uh, I remember Pink Floyd were due to play Glastonbury, but they couldn't get access to the stage or there was some bizarre Spinal Tap-esque well, story
1: it's really interesting I was just because I knew we were going to talk about Glastonbury tonight I was looking at the history of it mm. and um uh, it's really really interesting that when when they did the first one I think I'm right in saying that the the headline act was going to be the kinks originally and oh I'm going to kick myself now I can't remember who else Did the they, fell through. they th- fell through and then it was t-rex that was the headline act yeah and then the following year in 1971 it was they were they called it Glastonbury Fair. It wasn't called Glastonbury the first time round. It was called po- the Pop Rock and Blues Festival, I think, mm. or Folk mm. Pop Rock and Folk Festival uh, at Worthy Farm. And uh, then the next year they called it the Glastonbury Fair. And David Bowie was one of the uh, top acts there, along with other people. I uh, can't quite remember. I need to get the old wiki page up again. <laughs> And then they had a break, didn't they? I think they had a break till about 1979, Uh and it went very sort of trippy hippy, you know. And I think Hawkwind were on.
0: Yeah, Hawkwind would have been been a few times. I mean, that. Yeah. I had an idea that Glastonbury was a bit of a rock festival, but it hasn't really been that, has it? It's been. It's been very eclectic over the years.
1: It's been very eclectic, and actually, because there was quite a lot of controversy when Metallica were headlining on the final night. Do you remember? That was
0: ridiculous. That shows how safe it became. Yeah, I mean, Metallica are a pretty safe band anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, yeah. uh, And I I thought they were great. The one thing that I hated about that gig was Lars Ulrich fawning over the crowd and saying, this is the best fucking gig we've ever played. It's like, these aren't your real fans. You know, there's plenty of them are. And fair yeah, play, you've bullshit. won over a few more, but you don't say that. No, yeah. no, dickhead.
1: No, absolute claptrap. And he's always trying to go. be
0: accepted in the mainstream laws. I do, I do like him, but it's so you know, obvious, isn't it? His ambition is 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 massive. Yeah. I mean, he has been the driving force behind Metallica, to be fair. And uh,
1: he's a real popularist, though, isn't he? Really? Yeah. To some of the others, you
0: know. Yeah, I mean, he's pissed off some of his things he wanted to do really pissed off uh, Hetfield and but I do like Lars really I, I don't have much against him but I thought that was a bit out of order
1: it was just a bit did. cringe wasn't it it was yeah it says here Lee it says here it says here that no surprise that he was kind of inspired by Michael Evis by like uh, the International Blues Festival and of course the Isle of Wight Festival which I think um, God, I'm gonna probably I'm, I'm gonna have to check this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I think that obviously that was the first big major festival in Britain, the White one, and it, I think that was headlined by Jethro Tull originally. Oh, or they were certainly in the no, mix. Jimmy
0: Hendrix did
1: it. And Didn't Jimmy it? Hendrix, of course, yeah. it was but, and Tull were there. So the, the Worthy Farmer in 1970 was called Pop Blues and Folk, so it was right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the headline bat- acts were supposed to be the Kinks and Wayne Fontana and the Mind Benders. But they had to they had to drop out and were replaced at short notice by uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, later known as T Rex, of course. Tickets were one pound, okay. There was fifteen hundred people there, and others on the bill bill were Steamham, Hammer, Quintessence, Stackridge, Al Stewart, big fan of Al Stewart.
0: Pink what is therapy. he from uh, Home and Away? <laughs> <is> that Al. <laughs> Bloody galah. Get revising for your HSC.
1: (laughs) Pink fair. Oh, that's Alf, isn't it? That's Alf. And and apparently, uh, Keith Christmas played as well. So I'm not aware of. I thought you were going to say Keith (laughs) Chegwin But in 71, it was called Glastonbury Fair. Okay. And trying to think who played. Performers included at the Glastonbury Fair, David Bowie. Or Bowie. Oh, oh, this is—it's a good lineup here. David Bowie, Mighty Baby, Traffic, Fairport Mm. Convention, Gong, some serious prog going on here. Hawkwind, more serious prog going on here. Pink Fairies, Skin Alley, and uh, the Worthy Farm Windfuckers, apparently, and Melanie. So there you go. But then it sort of disappeared till 1979. In '71, it said. It was paid for by its supporters and advocates of its ideal and embraced a medieval tradition of music, dance, poetry, theatre, lights, and spontaneous entertainment. The 1971 festival, listen to this, was filmed by Nicholas Rogue and David Putnam, and Evis and Kerr's Glastonbury Fair was changed to Glastonbury Fair with a Y because initially it was with an eye and a triple album of the same name was released. No connection with the film. So that was quite a big thing. And then but then it seemed to take a sabbatical to 1979 when a convoy, a convoy of vehicles from Stonehenge was directed by police to Worthy Farm. So there you go. And then it was the 80s, really, when things took off and this is interesting. This is, I'm just going to read this bit. The 1980s saw the festival become an annual fixture, barring peri- periodic fallow years. In 1981, Michael Evis took back solo control of the festival and it was organised in con- conjunction, excuse me, I can't speak tonight. It was organised in conjunction with the campaign for nuclear disarmament, CND. Yeah. Uh, that year, a new pyramid stage was constructed from telegraph poles and metal sheeting, okay, repurposed from materials of the Ministry of Defence. So it was kind of rebellious. Get yeah. a fucking Ministry of Defence materials and stick them up, make the pyramid stage. Fantastic. A permanent structure which doubled as a hay barn and a cow shed during the winter. Fantastic. So it, that's when it really kind of kicked off. In the 80s but i think it says here that a pyramid stage was initially built in 71 that's the first time as early as 71 that the pyramid stage they made a sort of makeshift one yes it says it here it says the 1971 festival featured the first incarnation of the pyramid stage conceived by bill harkin the stage was a one-tenth replica of the great pyramid of giza built from scaffolding and metal sheeting and positioned over a blind spring, a term used to describe a hypothetical underground body of water in the pseudoscientific practice of dowsing. So there you go. So right. in the early hey, days... I need to get my Galahad. Oh, get it, get it, mm. get it, sorry. I've been dribbling on about fucking that. Are you still there? You, you run off to get it. Here we go. Right, so crack it open. Initial taste and verdict.
0: Yeah, it's nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm blown away, but I've had it a few times. Just pouring so it if now. You were to, if you were to go mm, i I'd, mm,
1: I'd, I'd probably say I prefer the Galahad actually than yeah. the you know what? Yeah. You know what, buddy boy, that's mm. exactly mm. what I think. i think the galahad has something a little bit just a little bit something they're both palatable i think they're both they're both better than most sort of four percent lagers i'll be honest i think they are i think they're really you know they've got a bit more flavor about them than a lot of four percent lagers but the galahad just has the edge
0: yeah Yeah. did uh i wanted to go back to axel for a bit did you see some of the uh, tweets about him (laughs) which some were quite funny no problem, There's a lot, no. lot of people saying he look like Ian Beale. And, I did. Uh, Eddie Izzard. <laughs> the one person he does look like, if you actually just isolate his face, is uh, Benny Hill. Oh, that's amazing! As a look, you just write Axel Benny Hill. Oh yes. I see like them side by side. I've got to do this
1: Axel Benny Hill. This is brilliant. I oh, come up straight away.
0: <laughs> amazing, isn't it?
1: Hey, brilliant. <laughs> I come up with that one. That's amazing. That's that one with, him with the big with the big floppy ginger hair. Oh, that's amazing. There's a real look there. That's fantastic. Mm. There's so many <laughs> images I know. State of him <laughs>
0: I think there's some I think there was a rumour that it was some awful picture of Axel, which I think I'm looking at now, that he tried to get removed from the internet. It's the one where he's he's got this big red bandana
1: on. I'm looking at it now. He's sitting It's fucking hilarious. It, says, it just says here <laughs> Axel Rose is looking rough. He I mean,
0: looks like he's sort of got a fez on. If he just,
1: just. If he just. he just the top part shoe. of his head. He's got his arm around this young new bile woman. Is that the picture you mean?
0: No, the one I'm looking at is he's looking. His hair's all over the shop, but he's got a bit of a goatee, and he's looking. <laughs> he's looking like he's having a shit, a tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'll try and send it to you on the oh, messenger, Dave. Can you just... get
1: the messenger? Oh yeah, I'll. I'll try and have a look. Let, let, let me yeah, send I'll it. Send it, you to, it now. to messenger and have a look. There's some hilarious pictures on here, though, Lee. Fuck me. It's hilarious.
0: I've sent it. Just have a... (laughs)
1: Let's have a deck of this. Come on. on, Open up. Being a twat, why aren't you opening it? Here we are. The poke. Yes, I agree to all your bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So that's in there. (laughs) Yes, I was. Yeah, I was. (laughs) You know who he reminds me of? (laughs) Who? <laughs> it's it's like a cross between Benny Hill and what's he called? You know, um, oh for fuck's sake, can't remember his name now. Um, oh God, Lee, what's his name? That twat who bow selector. Oh yeah, Lee Francis. Yes, Lee that's Francis. right.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keith Lemon.
1: Keith Lemon. Yeah.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, though. he tried to get these images removed, but uh.
1: As <laughs> people find out. This is the sad thing though. I mean, look at that beautiful young man with the cheekbones and everything, you mm. know. Uh, and some people I sort of get away with it, you know, like you know, someone like Jagger, because he because he's always been like a craggy faced fucking freak and skinny. <laughs> he gets away with it, doesn't he? Because he's skinny mm. and he's a bit and Keith sort of looks better. Keith Richards kind of looked better as he got older. Um, but Axel <laughs> it's just like he's kind of like a little tub of lard, isn't he? In some ways, he's in that picture, yeah. But he's kind of done well, hasn't he? Because he's lost a bit of weight, yeah, and he has definitely, yeah. Uh, got put in an effort picture. there. I mean, I'm not gonna not, he's putting an effort. The lad, do you know what
0: Axl Rose is an anagram of, Dave?
1: No, go on, I should know. let oral look. sex, oral sex. Oh, yes, I've never even. Do you know, I'm so naive, I probably thought that was... I never even thought, is that his real name or not? And of course, it's ridiculous that it would be his real name. No,
0: his real name is... Uh, I think he was... His dad was... Was it Bill Rose? And he was called Bill Rose. But his dad... Oh, sorry, his, mate. His dad, I think, molested him when he was oh, about no. two and then fucked off and then was murdered. And his stepdad was at bailey so he was known as bill bailey oh really yeah he was that's that's what his sort of name was and he never You're knew
1: kidding. This.
0: he never right. knew this was his stepdad right this guy this uh bailey guy beat the shit out of him as well so he had an absolutely appalling childhood poor guy and uh then he found out he wasn't his real dad you know that fucked him up and i think he then you know, his, his full name is W Axl Rose. So I think he kept the W for William. And I don't know where Axl came from, to be honest. Maybe he, it was just the Axl Rose was an anagram of all the sex. We thought he'd use that.
1: I mean, uh, some, of some of this is, is really is sad and cruel. Oh, it's, I'm hearing that back. It's weird. Um, hmm. It says here, you know, things like this. Mickey Rourke and Axl Rose look like a lesbian couple... Who own an antique shop in Portland? Have you I've seen, seen that seen that one? Yeah. And this one, <laughs> I just couldn't help. I mean, I'm sorry. It's so mean, but it cracked me up. Is that picture a picture of him as the old from the old lady in Goonies? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, his that?
0: hair. He did have that haircut. He did have that sort <laughs> of middle-aged woman's haircut when I saw him. I
1: it's I've very hard. <laughs> Axel Rose looks like Mama Fratelli. Have you seen that picture? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> have a look for that. It's so funny, mate. I'm sorry. Mama Fratelli. I mama know mama was... Fratelli from the Goonies. Have a look. Or where have from? Throw Mama from the Train or whatever. Have a look. I, can, I know what
0: she looks like, yeah. Have
1: a look at the yeah, car yeah,
0: yeah. together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's oh. fucking amazing. <laughs>
0: Apparently, Axel's uh, become a bit of a—he's become a bit of a political tweeter, hasn't he? Just he was really sort of active during the Trump years, slagging that regime off.
1: They're good for Axel. I mean, I've got nothing against guy. I mean, because I love their songs and everything. You know, I love. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love a big rock band anyway. Yeah, to- he
0: reminded me of how good they were. And how big they were in the day. And they were like a really dangerous band at the time. Yeah, exactly. So they became yeah. huge. I did have the chance to see him actually. But I didn't bother. I got, I went to the... They were playing City's Old Ground, Main Road. And uh, I think this was 92. But I was just thinking, I can't be arsed, you know. And I think the touts were asking too much at the time. and uh, it, And he did end up coming on like four hours late or something like that. But what he says about that, because he has always had this reputation of coming on dead late, mm. it just sounds like he's a bit of a diva and he's a bit spoiled. But what he says is that he can't perform unless he's in the right frame of mind. So he has to, I don't know if he has some anxiety or something, but he yeah. has to get himself worked up enough. Yeah, G himself up to it. Yes. Before he can actually do it. Yeah. But there was one gig... Guns and Roses played in Manchester, not so, was it about 10 years ago? He'd come on like two hours late, and you know what it's like trying to get back from Manchester midweek. There's nothing running. You yeah. know, no trains, no trams, no buses, and people were stranded. God, I bet. Anyway, uh, was there anybody else that stood out for you in Glastonbury, Dave?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I really liked watching Cat Stevens, because I'm a, i am a big cat stevens fan i love Cat yeah, Stevens. yeah i saw a bit of that yeah and honestly. i thought i found the end of it quite moving really yeah really. when
0: he did that boy's own song
1: yeah well no no that's <laughs> so, know, the, the bastardization of a great song by a bunch yeah. of like irish ne'er-do-wells <laughs> you know one of the greatest songs ever written oh
0: it people. really is i mean it came home to me how great that song was
1: wasn't uh, Poignancy of that song is incredible. I mean, it's so—it's a perfect, perfectly written song. And he did Wild World before for it, you know. And, you know the guy. Oh, I forgot the first, that was one of his. And Maxi Priest covers that. So many people forget the songs that that Cat did. You know, mm. like First Cut is the Deepest. I mean, come on, it's one of the greatest pop songs ever written. Yeah. He wrote that, and oh yeah. The guy's fantastic, and he was almost like, because he's like a really, he's a really devout Muslim, in he, I mean, he's mm-hmm. really lived it. Quite a humble guy, and he was very humble with the crowd, and he was quite taken aback, really, because they were singing songs, you know, young. Again, <laughs> it had that resonance of the the uh, Ricastley Blossoms thing, where, you know. But there's the real deal there's the guy himself and he's hearing these really young people singing his songs back to him mm-hmm. okay because they've known it through perhaps other mediums but his songs are fantastic and hearing him do it and he did a lovely version of here comes the sun too which mm-hmm. is one of my absolute favorite songs of all time you know great beatles song beautiful george yeah. harrison song so yeah that was That was great, but I'm such an old farmer, aren't I? I'm just all I'm doing is praising Mm. the old stuff, really. (laughs) Or is there anybody else that I didn't really, beyond that, I didn't really watch loads Mm. of it, to be honest. Um, I well, here you go. I did watch pretty much all the Arctic Monkeys gig. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I liked loads of it. I found like Alex Turner's voice in the end grating, to be honest. But I kind of thought some of the more introspective stuff reminded me a bit of Jeff Rotol. I know that's kind of weird. Mm. But it's something about his songwriting and the way he sings, especially now, because his voice has changed. He's really changed his voice, hasn't he? He cars Everything goes like this. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I didn't actually see... I think I saw the first song. Was it one of the new ones from The Car? Yes, Uh, I think so. And I like that. I mean... I do find it a bit odd the way they've gone, but I respect I respect uh, any band for doing what they want and not just doing the same thing. But I did listen to that album and I, I was a bit disappointed, really, because I mean I need to give it a proper listen because apparently it's really good, but it's it's a bit of a weird. Easy listening lounge music. Yeah. He does. Yeah.
1: Well, he would because I, I was using the word crooner, but yeah, he really hates that. I don't want anyone to call him a crooner. But he has this kind of ironic thing going on, doesn't he? It's mm. the irony. So it's kind of like he has this kind of like um, milk tray man look, you know, from the 1970s, you know, where the, mm-hmm. the sort of leather jacket, the the all the tuxedo and the white yeah, it's shirt, like
0: Life on Mars. They look like. Yeah, absolutely, Some, like
1: Life yeah. on Mars. But you know when, when they were hitting it, it was brilliant. They mm-hmm. are kind of brilliant. But George, again, George, he's really into Arctic Monkeys. Kept saying, "Why doesn't he sing it like he used to sing them? Why is he doing this this affected way of singing when he, you know, he used to sing with that kind of Sheffield accent, didn't he? Yeah, really. You yeah. know, he's a great songwriter though, isn't he? I mean, he's a yeah, really, he is. Yeah, he's got some really interesting songs. And um well, Daisy
0: thought, and Michelle went to see him a few weeks did ago. Did they? Maybe. Played Old Trafford, yeah.
1: Did they enjoy they, it?
0: They loved it, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he's we've brilliant. seen them
0: before. Me and Michelle saw them at Old Trafford in about two thousand seven.
1: What did you think?
0: I thought they were yeah, brilliant. They were I mean, that was when they were doing, you know, obviously the early stuff.
1: Actually. Was that so the, the cricket ground, Old?
0: Team. Yeah, the cricket ground.
1: Yeah, because Jackie and I years ago we saw Radiohead there, and they were they were brilliant, but it was so kind of we were so kind of distant from it. Yeah. Sort of action, watching it, and they were so tight, and they played like most of, if not all of, the Benz and all of the bloody uh, OK Computer albums. Uh, but it was almost like kind of listening to the albums. Dude, that's how tight they were. How good yeah. They were. And it's so it was a kind of not a somber gig, but I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't like to use the word flat, but um. So we've been playing a lot of Radiohead in the house too because we've been playing like in Rainbows and. Do some of their later stuff, which is quite impressive. They've got, you know, gone in a what different What would you
0: recommend direction. there, Dave? Because, I mean, I would like to like more recent Radiohead, but I don't think from the bits I've heard, I'm, I'm that impressed, to be honest. I think the last album I got was Kid A, which was bloody yonks ago.
1: It's like, it's a band who have got to a, obviously, got to a huge level of success. And then they're just thinking, right? We're well, just going to be experimental, really. So, they've being experimental and being experimental with sound, which is quite interesting. So, like, there's like loads of percussion, like really in the foreground, which is mm. kind of interesting. And then you, when you've heard it like two or three times, you go, oh, hang on a minute, this is kind of, this is kind of, I'm, I'm getting this now. You know what I
0: mean?
1: Yeah. The thing is, though, it's only when you get to that level, you've got, you've got the luxury to do that, haven't you? Yeah. Because there's certain songs on in Rainbows. Excuse me. You're not going to listen to it. You know. You're not going to take the time out to listen to it two or three times. But because it's Radiohead, they're backing the fact that their fans will listen to it two or three times and then get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of. But there is some really nicely harmonic things done there. You know, vocally. I mean, Tom York is vocally very dexterous, and he and Johnny Greenwood's congenius and they're such a tight band. Pathetic shark, Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who compared him to that, but I thought that was brilliant. He is great though, isn't he? He does loads of musical scores, doesn't he, Johnny Greenwood? He's amazing. I mean
1: mm. the, have you seen Phantom Thread? The what? The film Phantom Thread. No. The Paul Thomas Anderson film. I think it might have been the film Paul Thomas Anderson did straight after There Will Be Blood. And it's so different. Again, he's got his muse, Daniel Day-Lewis, playing the lead in it. And it's about um, a dress designer in London. (laughs) He couldn't be more different from Daniel Plainview. But it's kind of similar because he's he is, again, this headstrong, completely single-minded, driven, strange character. Right. And... um, the music to that though is so different from There Will Be Blood because Johnny Greenwood does this like really minimalist score to There Will Be Blood, doesn't he? Oh, does he
0: you do know? that it's,
1: one? Yeah, really yeah, he like does. That. And yeah. it's this kind of pounding, ethereal music all the way, kind of through it, almost like it kind of is reminiscent of the of the um, the pumping of the wells, the oil wells, the music mm-hmm. to it in a way that industrial. <laughs> But in Phantom Thread, it's light and classical. So I just thought to myself, when I heard Phantom Thread, I thought, yeah, he's a clever lad, this lad. You know, he's a really, he is a really clever musician, you know. And I mean, Tom, Tom York's a fucking genius, too, is he? And talking of, like, Glastonbury shows, I think I'm right in saying their show was incredible, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was blown away by that. As was Blur's, you know, blur have been brilliant when they've played there, too, you know?
0: Mm. Well, the other highlight for me at Glastonbury was uh, War on Drugs. Did you see them? Uh, did I? That was on about... Sunday before Elton, I think. Not on the uh, same stage, but on the telly.
1: No, I'm thinking of something else. It's not like an old girl band, is it? Oh yeah. no, I'm thinking of what the... Warpaint. Warpaint.
0: Yeah, i saw a thinking. bit of them. I'm I'm
1: thought good. I thought they were quite interesting.
0: No, War on Drugs are this uh, sort of Dylan, Springsteen, it's sort of heartland rock. It would probably be categorized as, but they have some cracking songs, Dave. I'd really recommend them. Have a look on iPlayer. The set that they do is brilliant. So melodic, the way the songs (laughs) build and the musicianship is brilliant. They're really good.
1: Well, that's, honestly, I've never heard of them and I probably should have mm. done. And that sounds amazing. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm so out. lax these days. I am mm. so lax. I'll...
0: I don't tend to get into loads of modern bands these days, but they're a band that I have done. I saw them, I think, in 2017. I saw them and uh, they were great.
1: What I find quite interesting, though, is, you know, obviously, <laughs> I don't want to overly promote Jules Holland, but when he has that later show that he does and he brings on acts which you know we haven't got the old grey whistle test anymore we haven't got a show that really highlights up and coming bands and stuff which is a shame yeah. but at least his show does try and do that to some degree and more often than not when i when i see it i see one or two th- acts on it i go oh they're they're pretty interesting they're kind of good yeah, you know, you know, I feel I, feel
0: I was I was harsh, uh, and I have been harsh on Jules' show. You're right. Where's... War and drugs have been on that, and th- there has been loads of good bands. And he does, he does bring bands to people's attention that you probably wouldn't hear anywhere else, or or you know, you'd need yeah. to sort of be on the right radio station. You certainly would not hear them in the mainstream.
1: I think the problem with Jules Holland is it's just because he's this iconic figure that he hosts this show and he's always got to do his boogie-woogie piano and all that. So he's, it's, he's kind of set up for a bit of ridicule, isn't he? But he does, and, and that's understandable, especially with the he show and everything as well. But he is somebody who filters through on through the BBC up-and-coming people that I've mm. gone, oh, I don't know that because I don't know shit anymore. And I don't religiously listen to radio. I really don't. I listen to podcasts more than radio. And so it's rare I'll listen to anything like Six Music. And even with Six Music, I don't like a lot of, you know, like, going to segue again. I know I do this a lot. But, you know, you you started off by saying about the presenters on fucking Glastonbury. I mean, they mm. make me vom. Oh, I you know, hate them. The even like the Laura Laverne's and the Laura fucking Laverne. Joe Riley. I mean, Joe L- Wiley is just like a walking, fucking, turgid stool of sycophancy, isn't she? <laughs> you know, with a blonde yeah. hair, with a blonde wig. I mean, it, it's just bullshit. And uh, that's all it's about. Oh, the cigarette. I love the emotion on this. I love the way they did that. It's like, oh, give over for fuck's sake. Get
0: just Bates. got to Simon Bates on Gary Davis back on. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know. I mean, it's all the presenters always end up sounding like sycophants really anyway don't either sycophants or I'm I'm trying to be or really
0: disingenuous
1: disingenuous because even like when Mark Riley was doing it you're like oh fuck it's just like sometimes it's just like I'm trying to crack a one-liner it's not very funny I'm trying to be a smart oh, oh oh, oh it's kind of like
0: didn't he, get, uh, didn't he get? Didn't he get sacked from the Fall for dancing to Smoke on the Water, Mark Riley?
1: No, that's. Uh, yes, he, he did, didn't he? Because he, he he was one of the many band members. I love of the fall. I love the stories about how people got sacked from the Fall. It's great. Listen, let me ask you: What was your absolute highlight of watching Lesbury this year?
0: I'd say the set I've watched the most is the War on Drugs, actually, but um. I would say when Rick and the Blossoms, well, there's a couple of ones. I like when Guns N' Roses did Civil War, which I really like. and But I would say the best was when Rick and the Blossoms did There Is a Light.
1: Yeah. I think for me, my highlight was Rick and, the and John walking on. <laughs> and John walking on was beautiful, baby. That was great. <laughs> You know, I'd say aside from the poignant father and son moment uh, with Cat Stevens looking at himself as a young man and then watching himself sing the young man part of father and son. I thought that was, you know, I thought that was beautiful, to be, to be honest. Mm. Some people might think it was cheesy, but I thought it was beautiful. And I think it is a beautiful song. My favourite moment was Cemetery Gates, Blossoms, Rick Castle. It was really good about part, it. Yeah. It's Great. Absolutely mm. great. And and heaven knows I'm miserable now. I thought that was great. I thought they it was they, they mm. performed it beautifully. You know what can I say? I mean it's a tri- it's like a tribute act, isn't it? It is. It's, it is. Um, what
0: a brilliant
1: a tribute one! Band is my, mm. a tribute. Band was my highlight on. He should Blast have. He me. should have. He should
0: have done a version where he'd made never gonna give you up into a Smiths type song they could have reworked it that would have been great yeah, 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 yeah. or change the lyrics to make them a bit more sad
1: yeah joy it was a, it that was a real joy and guns and roses and and even some of, some of elton john was great too some of the really rocking tracks like saturday night's all right for fighting pinball wizards yeah. and uh yeah you know it is what it is it's quite commercial have you got any but,
0: uh have you got any really shit moments, apart from every bit that featured the presenters?
1: Do you know what? You've just nailed it there, because it is the presenters, isn't it? Who's that lad who's trying to be like punky, but he's so fucking clean cut? Red I don't, hair. Know I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Red radio it's radio it's 1 priss- or 2 DJ, I imagine. or Do Radio you know what? 6. He's such a prissy fucking public school boy, isn't he, trying to be like a punk or something? He's like, fuck off, you fucking arse.
0: Right, that's it for this pod. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please get on the Apple rating system. And rate us, because we want to shoot up the charts and get this pod out to more people. That would Fucking be people. help
1: us out. Come round there. I'll come round your house, and I'll fucking disembowel you.
0: Is that Dominic Littlewood?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob Hoskins, but... Can I oh, yeah, him Hoskins,
0: up? yeah, brilliant. R.I.P. Good night, listeners. Good night, Dave. Good night. We'll be back soon. And